It's extra drama for book number 13, Kidnapped. Ooh. <laughs> Exclamation point. Yeah, absolutely. Hi, Marissa Flaxbart here again with Misha Stanton, and we're going to talk a little bit more about Kidnapped. Yes. Um, so we have so many different things that we could talk about with this book, and there's just this one little moment that I uh, failed to mention in the main episode that I really uh, want to bring up because it is so fucked up. Like, we gave um, Jessica some like credit for being creative and sensitive like she was she was a good jessica in this book i think overall fairly once she like realized the gravity of her mistake she came around really quickly and sincerely right but before that happens before we get to the part of the book where she's remorseful Mm -hmm. uh she's real jessica she and her friend kara are driving to the party Mm -hmm. at the maros now in book 12 uh, Stephen Wakefield, Jessica and Elizabeth's brother, uh, is on a break with his girlfriend. He doesn't know she's sick, and Jessica also doesn't know that she's sick. Nobody knows that Trisha, Stephen's girlfriend, is sick. Gotcha. Um, Trisha doesn't appear in this book at all, except for off screen. Mm-hmm. She's at home being sick, I guess. And um, Kara Walker, Jessica set up with Stephen um, and really was trying to push them together. Right. We learn that Trisha's sick. Jessica has to, like, bite her tongue and not complain about how shitty her poor family is uh, anymore. You know, like, she has this moment where she's, like, she's in her inner monologue. I guess I won't complain about Trisha this one time because it's so hard for Stephen. And what she doesn't say but, like, she must be thinking is, like, she'll be dead soon enough and then she won't be my problem anymore. You know? Oh, my gosh, yeah. Right? Because when Jessica and Kara are in the car, um, they start having this conversation about Stephen. Jessica says to Kara... Look, it's not my fault my stupid brother can't see how good you'd be for him. Maybe after Trisha dies, you two could start over again. Whoa. And Kara says, truthfully, Jessica, that's morbid, which is the least of what it is. Morbid. No, that's life, Kara, Jessica said matter-of-factly. We all know she's going to die. And afterward, my poor brother is going to need someone to help him pick up the pieces. It might as well be you. That is a lot to uh, lay on there. Um, I, I, I see where Jessica's coming from. I see where they're coming from. But, like, tact is also a thing. I think that's, yeah, that is that that is the thing. Kara says something like, forget it, Jess. Nobody's going to call me a grave robber. Uh, and the whole thing, it just is, there's no way to read it. I mean, I know I write it in a very flippant way, flippant voice. But I don't think there is a way to read the conversation that is not, like, callous and, yeah. like, it's okay to talk about these things. But we know that what Jessica has in mind for Stephen and for Kara is a lot more frivolous than what she's implying here. Well, here, here's what I'll say. Without the context and only knowing books, say, 12 and 13, I would be like, it takes what happens to Elizabeth to hook her into the empathy of feeling bad for Trisha, maybe. 
Like, like it, it takes a, a, like something that happens to someone closer to her to make her realize what people would feel in that situation. But wasn't Elizabeth in like some kind of other accident where she had amnesia or something? Yeah, she was in a coma and they thought Elizabeth was going to die. Yeah, Jessica so like already she already learned, had that one. <laughs> yeah, Jessica already learned this lesson several books ago. And um, she even thinks about how this is very similar to the time that she didn't pick up Elizabeth from the hotel, and Elizabeth got on Todd's motorcycle. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, it was a lot of fun to learn about that event just through, like, secondhand narration of the events happening in front of me. The deeper into these books that we get, the more that is an experience that readers and guests on the show are having, (laughs) where they're like, wait, what? Am I supposed to... What just happened? It was just like a quick sentence. And that's like, oh, remember that time she lost her entire identity? You couldn't remember who she was. Okay, back to the story. Because there's virtually no trauma in Sweet Valley. Right. So um, that's all the time that these past events get. Right. You know, it would have been lovely if Jessica had had a moment in the book where it hit her. Like, this is how it feels to lose a loved one. Yeah. And had some sympathy, not just for the Martin family, but for Trisha's sister, Betsy, who is like a, like a notorious slut. And so that's and oh. a drug user. And like, that's what Jessica thinks about Betsy. But And like Trisha's father, who we've learned, and Jessica apparently knows that he became an alcoholic after his wife died. And it's like, what if Whoa. she learned? I know, right? It's a lot. What if she learned... That, like, this is what it feels like to go through even the thought that maybe you're losing someone. Yeah. And maybe I could put myself in these people's shoes. <sighs> Empathy and sympathy. But because there's no trauma, maybe there's no growth. Ah, uh, I think you hit on something there. Oh, no. Yeah, I think you might be right. <laughs> um, there is one more little thing that this book got me thinking. Okay. That I'd love to talk about. And it is something that, um, as a screenwriter, I actually think about a lot, which is this question of, dang, a lot of period, like, stuff, by which I mean anything from, like, that's set in the past, even the recent past, the stories would not be possible if the characters had cell phones. Yeah. And that's definitely the case here, where (laughs) they would have been able to get in touch so quickly. I mean, Elizabeth's phone probably would have been lost, but, like, if they had seen her smashed-up phone at the scene of the crime, you know, they would have— Right, like, if the phone was underneath the car when they found the car, they would realize that she probably didn't put it there. Or if if everybody had been trying to call Liz or text Liz for even, like— an hour and not gotten a response, they would have had a sense of what was wrong with her. Mm-hmm. Or like maybe they could have done like a find my phone thing and figured out where she yeah, was. There never would have been the the part between like, oh, I'm sure she'll make it to the party and oh, it's 930, where is she? There right. would have been like, Todd would have texted her. At, right. As soon as he got to the party, he would have been like, hey, are you here? Well, and as soon as like Todd and Jess compared notes that like, wait, Liz didn't respond to your text, your like 100 texts you sent her, Jessica, when asking her like where the hell she was when she was going to get home. And Max's calls and texts. They and, could have even texted Max while he was grounded yeah. in his basement while he was studying, been like, hey, is she there with you? Exactly. Like she's supposed to be? Yeah, they would have all they would have all figured it out very quickly that like, oh shit, Liz isn't responding to anybody's anything. Like either her battery is dead yeah. or something serious has happened. Right. Um, so... I was wondering if you had any times that you can think of in your past when, like, having a cell phone would have really helped you out. Um, or I guess, first of all, let me ask. Yes. Do you remember what it was like before we all had cell phones? 
not entirely um because I before I had a cell phone, I didn't really have a need for a cell phone. I didn't have a ton of friends when I was that age, and by the time I had a cell phone, I had friends. Um, yeah. it, I got a cell phone because I started visiting a friend of mine who lived like a train right away, like along the commuter oh, cool. rail. And my parents were nervous about sending me on the train without a way to contact me. Sure. Um, so that's why I ended up getting a cell phone for the first time. So like before I had one, I didn't need one really. Sure. Um, yeah. There must have been a couple of times where it affected my life adversely. adversely. I mean, there... There are definitely times when, like, my phone is dead and I wish I could get in contact with people there. That's when, whenever that happens, that's when I have this moment of, like, what did we do before we had these phones? I think of this specific scenario that came up in my life a lot, which was I was meeting someone to go to the movies. Like, I was meeting friends to go see a movie. I saw a lot of movies growing up, like, Mm -hmm. my whole life. I've always gone to the movies a lot. Um, Like, only as an adult did I realize how unusually often I went to the movies as a child. <laughs> and now you live in L.A. and I'm trying <laughs> yeah. to be a screenwriter. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder sometimes, like, how did we manage to all get there at the right time? Yeah, like, so we did- just, like, we all just agreed to it. And then if someone showed up late or early, oh, that's a time that not having a cell phone affected me personally. Uh, when I was younger, I went to Hebrew school to train for my bar mitzvah. And um, my parents were really bad about daylight savings, Uh like changing over the clocks and remembering what weekend it was. So there were a couple of times where I remember um, being driven and dropped off at the temple, and then my parents would drive away to do everything the rest of their day. And I was there an hour early clutching my Hebrew textbooks, and like a blood drive was happening in the middle (laughs) of the lobby of the temple, and... I would just wander in being like, we're we're supposed to have class now, right? Where's the classroom? And everyone's just like kind of woozy on their feet and eating cookies and juice. (laughs) And and I would just have to like sit there and I didn't want to like study Hebrew. They had dropped you off and like driven away. Yeah, they were gone. And like if I had a cell phone, I could have been like, hey, wait, come back, take me out for breakfast, get me a coffee or something. But like because they were gone, we didn't all have cell phones. I was just kind of stuck there. Oh, my gosh. So I was thinking about this question, and I have actually one like the more harrowing things that has that happened to me as a young woman. Oh no, tell was me. Was re- related to the fact that I didn't have a cell phone yet. I didn't get a cell phone until I was in college. Okay, and um, my mom actually had had like an early like cell phone, looked like a little pyramid or something. But it was it was like, like a, a yeah yeah it was like the battery was like a pyramid battery pack on the back and had like a bottom part that like flipped out. Oh sure sure sure. But sure, it sure. was like. Very unreliable. Yeah. Um, and the, like, I don't know what happened. So my mom passed away when I was 15, and I am, don't really remember what happened to her cell phone after that. Like, I think that maybe my dad sometimes carried it, but not that often, and the battery didn't keep a charge. It was an old thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when I was about 16, and when I was a sophomore in high school, I was a passenger in a car accident. And it wasn't actually a particularly terrible car accident. We all you okay, know, got good. out of the car. You know, we, we walked free. But it, the car was totaled, so mm-hmm. it looked dramatic. But we were all physically okay. It was, you know, like four teenage girls. And an ambulance came, and the girls' parents were all called and you know, or, or came to the scene. And basically, the parents had to refuse the ambulance and say, these kids are okay. That was the situation. Problem is, my dad worked in the city. And was taking a commuter train, mm-hmm. like you were talking about commuter trains, home at the time. He was in transit. 
uh, from work to home. So nowadays, fine. Cell phone, no yeah. problem. I would text him or we would call him and be like, hey, dad, um, I, this ha- thing happened. Don't worry about it. I'm okay. It was a little scary, but like, I'm fine. Tell, like, talk to this EMT. But instead, the EMTs were like, okay, we'll, we'll just have to call and leave a message at your house. And I was like, no, hell no. This is like, you know, less than a year after my mother had passed away. And yeah. I was really on high alert. This is the form that my sort of grief took at that point in time was that like I was on very high alert for my dad's emotions. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you have to let me call. And I remember walking, we were right, it happened right in front of a McDonald's. A lady was turning left to get into McDonald's in front of us. That's that's how <laughs> this accident it. happened. So I went into the McDonald's, like in the back, and I like begged them, like, you have to let me make the call. Because if he needs to hear from me and not from some random stranger mm-hmm. when he listens to the voicemail. Yeah. Well, in our like our our uh you know answering machine at home yeah. to hear me say, mm-hmm. I'm okay. I was in a car accident, I'm okay come to the hospital. But even then, you know, then I'm on the ambulance, I'm like on a stretcher, and then not knowing when my dad's going to show up, and if I we'd been able to get a hold of him, it would have saved me all of that grief. Yeah. I think I was more like in pain and like beaten up from the ambulance ride than from the accident. Ambulances can be rough. I've ridden in some ambulances that uh, took hard corners. Yeah. For sure. And one of the most traumatic elements of that experience was that I really had to pee so bad. Oh, no. And they wouldn't let me stand up. And they were like, we can bring you a bedpan. And I was like, no, I don't want to. I'm 16. I don't want to use a bedpan. And then ultimately, I had to go so bad that I started to cry. And somebody saw me and were like, oh, no, are you okay? Are you in pain? And I was like, I'm fine. I just have to pee. (laughs) And then they let me get up because it was all just stupid like red tape a happy ending after all yes (laughs) and i was fine good i'm glad uh yeah all of that all of that would have been mitigated with cell phones so everybody just take a moment of gratitude for the era that we live in uh what how lucky we are to be alive right now yeah, I know the cell phones, We there are lots to complain about with the, our cell phone society, but being able to communicate quickly is well, usually I, a blessing. One of my uh, designer idols often says, your greatest weakness is your greatest strength taken too far. And so if cell phones are destroying our culture, it's only because they're rad. It's perfect. It's the corruption of our superpower. Mm-hmm. It's our... Uh, your, Dark Phoenix. Your fatal flaw. Absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Misha, thank you so much for uh, going down memory lane with me. Of course. Happy to do it. All right. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Extra Drama. Please uh, subscribe, rate, review the podcast on iTunes especially. I would love to be able to share this show with more of you beautiful people out in the world. Right? That's a good idea, right, Misha? That sounds great. More people <laughs> reading this roller coaster of a series take it from the professional podcast producer reading and describing is a good idea yeah it's the best way for new listeners to find the show for some mystical magical reason that is beyond the can of mortal folk um leaving five star ratings like helps podcasts it's crazy it's wild amazing crazy amaze (laughs) thanks bye see you next week Let me actually start a timer so that I can pay attention to what I'm doing. How long should this be? I don't know. Like 10 minutes. All right. Max. Cool. Easy.